John, welcome back. Fantasy Firebox, episode 34, the night before the Major League Baseball season. I know John's pump. I've known John for a long time. We've been doing this for a long time. And this is John's cup of tea right here. This is his favorite part of the year. He was already excited and cheesing before we even went live. Tony Jigsaw Cotillo, John Coker. John, welcome back. Football, uh, no, not football, I'm sorry. Baseball is back, and so is John. How you doing, man? Good. Good. It was, yeah. Fantasy baseball season, man. Draft time is, I, I almost feel like it's, it's, uh, it's almost more fun than football. Almost not quite. <laughs> uh, yeah. That, that's tough to say. You start saying it's, it, it's tougher than football. It's, it, it's, it's just, it takes more to, to do it really well. You have to, you have, you have to know the analytics, do your research it's not pulling out a cheat sheet draft day and rolling into a room with a one pager and just picking a football team. You know, <laughs> it's it, anybody could do that. I mean, you get rankings here and there. Baseball is just, you know, with the different positions, it's not just running back receiver. I mean, you got infield, outfield, starting pitchers across the board. It's not eight versus eight every week. It's like 22 versus 22 every week. It's a lot. It's a lot of work, man. It's a lot of analytics. It's a lot of research. Like you said, a lot of brushing up on your skills and your knowledge. It's really tested. And, you know, this show, we're, we're going to touch on some NFL a little later. But the main thing is baseball, because we are hours away from the opening pitch. And let me ask you this, John, before we even get into because I know you've had some drafts. So you have some a lot of good stories to tell us when we talk about ADP and, uh, you know, for, for instance, where certain guys, whether it be rookies or uh, pitchers versus hitters. But last year, 60 game season, what I know we've talked about it before, but as we're closer, have you had any different mindset of do I look at those 60 games? Do I throw them completely out the window? Or am I just focused on 2019? Like what? Because for me, I took a little bit of both. But how did you kind of take it when you looked at that shortened season last year? It it really depended on the type of player. And when I say type of player, most of it was age. So you look at, you know, I don't know, 60% of Major League Baseball. You have guys that are in their prime. I'll say anywhere, you know, let's just say 28 to 33. Okay, <clears throat> they have a track record of how they've performed a solid track record for five years leading into the season. There's not going to be much change. You know who that player is. So then you got to look at the players, you know, and it depends on position, you know, um, starting pitchers as they get older and, and each position is a little different. But when you start looking at those older players, you have to it, it's that that hill, that downhill slide. It's like you skipped over 2020. It was a, 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 an abbreviated season. So, you know, how much weight do you put on it? But the last time they had a full season was two years younger. There's a pretty big difference between 34 and 36, 35 to 37, you know? So you, I take that into consideration and really look at the player. Um, and kind of on the flip side, the young guys, 
I I don't necessarily just throw 2020 away. All right. These are the up and coming guys. They had, I mean, they had their stint that it's not much different than them getting called up in May of a regular, you know, MLB season, May, June. And there was a lot more younger guys that got time to play in this, uh, you know, this COVID environment last year. So that I did put a little bit of stock into 2020. Um, you know, obviously not just prorating out, you know, times number of games that that's not going to work. But yeah, those younger guys, I definitely took that into consideration to see their progression, um, you know, uh, for for the short season. No, nah, that's a good point. I was greedy. Uh, I could tell you that because I, I was kind of a hypocrite for. And the reason why I say that is because. If the numbers weren't conducive to the way I was thinking, I threw them out. But if they look good, like like the funny thing is, yeah. I'll give you an example. Corey Seager. So the year before, Corey Seager hits 17 home runs in 134, 134 games. Last year, he hits 15 home runs in 54 games. So I'm like, okay, I'm looking at that number, and I'm bumping Corey Seager up this year. So, I mean, you're right, and he's a younger guy, but he did come back from injury. So there's a lot of different things. You guys like Ryan Zimmerman, who opted out completely and now comes back. Uh, There's a lot of interesting storylines. Now, before uh, our our man E-Bomb seconding, Chris, I'm going to get to that question in one second. I got to ask John this because, again, John knows I'm a bold prediction guy, and we're going to get into one of my bold predictions later, but – one of the predictions I had, I was on the daily ticket with Brace, with Sean Brace about two weeks ago, and he always stumps me a little bit. We give you show notes. And he's always like, all right, you know, give me your top three, you know, maybe like surprises, not sleepers, but your top three surprises that'll happen. And one of my surprises was to fade Nolan Arenado. And I said, I don't even think he's going to get 25 to 30 home runs this year. I think he's going to have a down year. Uh, you know, if you look at his numbers away from Coors Field, going into a different environment in St. Louis, uh, he, you know, listen, it's a long shot, but there's always that one guy every year. Remember, Goldschmidt was that guy a couple years ago. He he was absolutely brutal when he before he went to St. Louis when he was in Arizona. So I I'm just trying to pick a guy. Do you do you think there's any credence to Nolan Arenado having a down year based upon that going away from Coors Field and going out to St. Louis, even though he probably has better protection in the St. Louis lineup? Uh, look, he was falling in drafts like crazy. I mean, the one knock on him has been he has no speed and when you're looking in the first round it's those top pitchers it's those you know five tool guys so you know he was still floating into early round two early to mid round two in previous years to me nothing changes about Arenado it goes right to what we talked about in 2020 nothing changes I'm not worried about the course field effect you just mentioned you know it's potentially better lineup that he's in Um, you know it's probably a better lineup but I am throwing out 2020 for Nolan Arenado, all right? He's still a younger guy. The dude's 29 years old. He's been in MVP discussions, and in both of my fantasy drafts, he went in the fourth round. So wow. to me, and I'll tell you what, he was not making it past me in either of those rounds because <laughs> I basically I went hitter, pitcher, pitcher. So fourth round, I, I that was – Arenado was one of the guys, one of the guys that I was really targeting, um, you know, after I went that. If I could get Arenado, who, in my opinion, can perform like a second round pick, and I got those two pitchers, 
I mean, I'm I'm set really nice with two batters, two pitchers, you know, and those hitters are both, you know, they're both first, second round. All four of them are first, second round talents. See, I, I can't wait to get into that because we're gonna we're gonna talk about formulate your roster because there John always see John always seems to grab you know, I'll do four drafts and I think I'm doing really good. And then John shows you drafts he did, and I'm like, wait a minute, how did you get those five guys in the first five rounds? Like I have no idea he does it though. I don't know how, but we're gonna get into that. But E bomb checks in our man Chris Exusion, who again check him out off the team matchups, new show, Heat Ratio Sports Network, does work for Fox Sports the Gambler as well. Monday nights had a great show, had another good show coming up on Monday. He's supposed to have Harry Mays on with them as well. Good stuff by Chris. He wants to know, I have Archie Bradley. You think he eventually becomes a closer? Obviously, he's talking about for the Phillies. I'm going to say yes, 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 and yes, only because I do not trust Hector Neris one bit. I don't care how good he's looked in spring training. I, I, I really don't care. That guy is a heart attack on the mound, and he is not going to last in that role, in my opinion. Yeah, I agree with you. I've I've been looking, I've been every day, multiple times a day, trying to figure out this Phillies uh, closer yeah. situation. All yep. right. Truthfully, the guy that I would love to see have it is Alvarado. That's another guy, 100 miles an hour, but right? That's the guy that I would like to see have the job. Um, the one issue with him, well, number one, he's the only lefty in the bullpen now. Yeah, so as soon as I down. saw that, I knew he was out. All right. Yep. So then it was really between Bradley and Naris is the way I was looking at it. I'm like, they can't go with Naris, but I wasn't sold. I still think Alvarado's the best guy, but I mean, just with the moves that they've made, it doesn't look like he's, you know, you're going to use that lefty when you need to use them, not hold them out until the ninth inning. So between there, I was shocked to see that Naris was named the closer. Um, so yes, of the three, I would say Archie Bradley would be the one to own. But man, it's going to be a headache all year long. It, it really is. I think it is too. I, I mean, be best case scenario: Naris falters early, Archie Bradley takes over the closer's role and never looks back. That's the best case scenario. Yeah, and yeah, if that's I the case, right. Bradley could get thirty saves. The more likely scenario is Bradley gets twenty. Um, Alvarez somehow picks up five, and you know what I mean. And then Naris gets ten. Uh, I, you know, I was trying to figure out the situation too, John, and I, and I really have no idea why Girardi decided to go what he did, except for the simple fact that Girardi's a player's manager, and he may have just said, you know what, you know, we, I'm going to give Neris the first opportunity to get out of what you know it meant, his mental instability, and say, you know what, maybe Hector can get over that hump, right? But. He's going to have a short leash. He's going to be like the Showtime with the Apollo guy coming out with the hook. You know what I mean? Like, yes. he's going to have a short leash. Well, look, maybe that's maybe all these signings is just what he needed. Look, when you're when the rest of the bullpen has a 7 ERA and you're sitting there floating at five, you're like the best guy. You're, you're the best guy, you know, out of the bunch. There's nobody pushing him. Like, I mean, the whole the whole bullpen was terrible. So now all of a sudden his job's in jeopardy. You know what I mean? Yes, he's still, you know, one of the late inning guys, but maybe that competition is just what he needed. Yeah, it could be. I mean, every every everybody needs a little kick in the ass every once in a while. And it definitely, definitely could have been what he needed. I I just, you know, certain pitchers like that when they have 
they lose command and they lose control with with such consistency like he did. Uh, it just scares me, and I don't think it's a guy you can trust. He he lost way too many games. I mean, he reminded me like Armando Benitez, right? When, when, when he wasn't good. <laughs> I mean, like every time he came here, you're like, oh, here we go, right? What's going to happen? Yep. Well, and I will say, look, there's a lot to be said about, you know, the closer role and just relief pitchers in general. Um, you know, I really don't pay up for closers. Um, my, first of all, my one league does saves and holds as one category, solds. What, me personally, I love it. I'm waiting till the end of the game. Think, you got 30 teams out there that all have three like late inning guys. And sure. more often than not, your setup guys are more lights out than your closers. You look at all the closers out there, and even, even in terms of this Phillies bullpen, you know, the only one that I would trust their ERA and whip to be at a decent level would be Alvarado. I don't really see Naris or Archie Bradley getting below a 1.2 whip or getting below a three ERA. I could possibly see that for Alvarado. All right. But you look at all the different bullpens out there. I mean, that's, that's really, I would rather have that guy look saves as a category. If you do Roto more than, often than not, but, just drafting a guy that's going to get saves that kills you in the ERA and whip. Plus think about the guy that you drafted. Okay. He has the role right now. I need to get saves. I'm in a draft. I need to get saves. So I'm going to take this guy, you know what I mean? Just because he's supposedly getting saves, but there's still competition there. I'm going to draft a, a Hector Neris. All right. What happens in through the one month of the season? He gets ousted out of his job. And why does he get ousted? Because his ERA was five and his whip was like 1.5. That just killed you. You know what I mean? From a fan, especially in a roto perspective. Not only did you not get the saves, he lost his job and those peripherals weren't there. So it's really dragging your team down. So there's a lot of value in some of those closers in waiting per se. Um, and really going after the top tier guys, you just got to be very careful not to pick from the scrap heap of just because this guy has a closer title, I need to take him because I need saves. Uh, you're better off getting the guy that's sharing uh, some time. I mean, there's a ton of them out there. Oh, there, and there always is. And, and and again, closers, there's always a ton of them that come up in, in May, June, July. I mean, you can have... You're, pick, you're, you're picking a crop. I mean, it, they always change, right? Whether it be injuries, inconsistencies, uh, you know, the, the manager changes. There's so many different reasons. But well and, well, and even on top of that, no, I mean, not to cut you off, no, that's but right. we could put this to rest. We spent enough time on relief pitchers. Actor Naris, but, um, but look, Major League Baseball is going to their ch- the game is changing. We have openers. That's screwing with guys getting wins and quality starts. You know what I mean? It, it's mu- so much less predictable. And same thing, late innings. They're not. Uh, there's uh, there's probably ten teams, thirty percent of the teams that have not committed to using a full time closer, which is much less than in previous years. So a it, it's a, it, the game changes, and your fantasy mindset got to change. No, that's a good point. I mean, let, and let's be honest. I'll just say this last thing. I've never, in all my years playing fantasy baseball, have never won a championship because I had the, the the league's best closer, right? I mean, so at the end of the day, it's almost like a kicker in football in the sense that you're not going to win because you have the best kicker. You might get some decent weeks, but come on, especially if you're not doing roto, you're doing head-to-head and put your lineup in once a week. I mean, you're talking about he's got to get you three saves to even be productive in that week. 
Yep. Well, and I'll tell you, I, I typically I've got burnt by draft and relief pitchers multiple times. The, even the good guys. I mean, th- think about Kenley Jensen a couple years ago, or I don't, I, you know, what I mean, not necessarily twenty twenty. All of his peripherals stunk. I mean, and you're drafting this guy as the top closer in a sixth, yep. seventh round. Like, I mean, that'll kill you. I forget. I it, I drafted uh, what the Blue Jays closer. This was quite some time ago. Um, but he was locked out. I don't think it was Wagner or not. I don't know. I don't remember who it was. All I know, drafted him. What happens? He gets hurt two weeks into the season. You know what I mean? And then my second closer was a guy from the Reds. He got ousted out of his job. So not only did my guy get blown up because his arm was hurt, and my second closer was a, a pile heap guy that was just supposed to have the job. It, it killed me for the whole year because of it. That's uh, yeah. You, you don't recover from that. It's a it's a wasted roster spot sometimes. Well, and and with the relief pitchers, if they have a bad stretch of three weeks or something, or if they're dealing with they're trying to pitch through some soreness or something, and they're ineffective, that blows up your whole ERA for the year. You know what I mean? And when you're counting on that guy to have a two six ERA with a point nine WHIP, point nine five WHIP, and then they show up with something completely different, you know what I mean? You you definitely didn't get value where you drafted them. No, definitely not. 100%. 100%. I completely agree. Now, now we weren't going to get into this yet, but I got I got to touch on this because Rick said, our boy Rick checking in, says right off the right off the top here, Linder, Lin, Francisco Lindor will be a top five, arguably top five lineup and looking to sign with the Dodgers after Seager leaves next year. Big year. Look at Rick puts a lot of different spins in one comment. I like it. He's already talking about Lindor going to the Dodgers, right? And and, and Seager, like, what? He's been thinking about that all day. He's been planning it out, you know? Well, let me tell you, first of all, I mentioned let, let, let's do this because I, I, I mentioned Corey Seager because I think that he's going to have an unbelievable year this year. I do. Uh, and I think his ADP is super low for a guy who I think will easily hit 25 to 30 home runs at a position of, of, of shortstop who after maybe three, four and five, it's a crapshoot, right? So, I, you know, I don't know why he's going so low, but Lindor you know, the, the Mets did a lot of different things in the offseason. And he's going to have a lot of different uh, ways, a lot of a lot of reasons to score runs. That's one thing you mentioned earlier in the show, John, about speed. Lindor can move. And, you know, he, he's got a really good bat. He can steal bases. He can stretch those twos and the threes. Uh, he, and, and he's going to play in a really favorable ballpark in a, in a nice lineup that has a lot of power behind it. So, uh, for me, top five. I, I he's not my top five. I can tell you that because we're gonna get in the top fives later or top five hitters, top five pitchers. But for you, John Lindor, you would you know I don't want to know who's your top five, but is he a top five player right now? He could be. Hey. I I'm not taking him top five, but he absolutely could be. I mean, I mean, you you look at his credentials; he's done it time after time. Exclude 2020. Once again, this is a guy that's been in the league. You know, what I mean, he's he's if anything just peaking. So I'm not looking at 2020 stats when it comes to Lindor. So pass. I mean, he's a career 285 hitter. Check that box. Past three years, he's averaged 34 home runs over the past three full years, with averaging 21 stolen bases. Boom. 
30-20 guy on average the three years before, you know, 2020. Andy hits 285. Mark out the names. Forget all that. That's a first-round pick. You know what I mean? And typically the RBIs and runs are not even so much on the player as the lineup that he's in, where he's batting in the lineup. So you improve your lineup moving to the Mets. Um, and, you know, hopefully uh, – I mean, he could be a top five. But, you know, in reality – I have him as about the number five, I think, shortstop. In, in reality, just because shortstop, I mean, there's a lot of guys and a lot of options there. Yeah, but is there, it, what I mean, though, is is there really elite options? You know what I'm saying? Like, you know, are we talking about just – are we talking elite options? That's what I – you know what I mean? In, in terms of shortstop? Yeah, just in shortstop. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, you have Tatis, you have Story – I mean, well, I always Trey forget. Turner. To, yeah, to, I forget. I always, I always label for Tatis as an outfielder. I forget yeah. that he's a shortstop. So, so, I mean, you got those three. Those are all going first, second round, and then uh, you know Lindor's there as well. So, I mean, but I'm, I'm high on on a lot of guys. Bogarts isn't a bad pick. I mean, even Gleber Torres. You said Seager. I think he's going to have a heck of a year too. Yeah, um, I, I I like Corey this year. I'm I'm zoning in on Corey Seager. Let, right? let, yeah. about, let alone Alberto Mondesi. Look, he probably is getting drafted too high, but the dude's still going to lead the league in stolen bases. I mean, think about it. Who's who's speed? Who's a true speed guy nowadays? Like even there was the Billy Hamiltons, the D Gordons. Yep. You know, going back further, the Luis Castillos. Oof. So I mean, there were a lot of guys. I mean, granted, they were one dimensional, but outside of Mondesi. You're talking about guys that are under 30 stolen bases may lead the major leagues and, you know, maybe second in major leagues and stolen bases under 30. So having a guy that could potentially get you 45, 50, I mean, like him or not, have a terrible batting average. You know what I mean? Not actually be that, you know, that elite of a ball player, but you're still, this is fantasy. You know what I mean? So it, it can get deep. I'm, I'm just saying, you know, I feel like, there's other like a second base it falls off a ledge real quick you know what i mean like i just feel like there's a lot of depth where i could see a lot of guys being very serviceable shortstops outside of you know it's really yes the big three tatis story and trey turner are the cream of the crop for me though oh you know the other thing too is there a lot there's a lot of um multi-positional players Multi eligibility, right? For shortstop, you got. I now I haven't looked. Is is Machado still eligible at shortstop this year? No. Okay, so because he played the whole year at third depending base, depending on league that. roles, but yeah, right. he, he is not in. Uh, so that, so that, so that, so that, that, that's a hit on the position a little bit. But well, that, you know, is the, the sneak sneaky thing is uh, Eugenio Suarez for the, uh, for, the Reds, Reds. for the Reds, their, their third baseman. He was he was off to a slow start last year. He's still a young guy. But he really, I was I was trying to trade for him in the abbreviated I season. I was going after him. I couldn't get him, but sure enough, he blew up just like I thought. Well, he's going to be the red sh- starting shortstop this year. So all of a sudden, you're getting 30-plus plus home run power at the shortstop position, and he's fallen big time in drafts where you could – it's really good value. Um, I think I I think I might have got him in both of my leagues, but, I mean, the value is – yeah, I got him in the sixth round. So you're that's, talking about that's tremendous. Yeah. It's yeah, especially when you're talking, he's going to be shortstop and third base dual eligibility. You know, in a few weeks. 
favorable ballpark, he's easily going to hit 30 home runs. If he stays healthy, he's easily going to hit 30 home runs. Suarez, he swings a mean bat, man. He, he really does. I like his stance too, but that's a good point. And again, for everybody listening, that that's the value. That they're they're the kind of guys to look at because we, when we get into this conversation here, when you have to talk about what you want to do at the top of your draft, whether it be go, I keep saying this, go pitcher, go hitter, depending on how you want to formulate your tier system, you know it, you're going to have to look for these value guys. It's it, it's just like DFS where you take those big three, big four, and then you got to take those low value guys and hope that they work out. Now. Go ahead, well, no, I just just to add on to yeah, Suarez. Please. I mean, look, and I mean, you go back and look at the first his last full season, 49 home runs. 40 he was on, he was on fire. The year, so you're like, okay, that's an outlier. So you look at the year before that, 34. Not not monstrous, but also manageable. You know what I mean? This guy's only 29, so he's not on the downhill of his career. Last year with to, uh, just basically under 200 at bats, he had 15 home runs. So you look at the pace, you're almost a guaranteed 34 home runs. That's tremendous. Six round pick at, at who will be a shortstop. That's that, that. That's an ADP of about 70. Think about that. That's an ADP of about 70 to 75 to get you 30 to 35, possibly 40 home runs if he stays healthy. That's yeah. that's that's tremendous. That's how you win championships. Seriously, that's how you win championships, 100%. Yeah, uh, it, it's not the first no couple doubt. rounds. I mean, anybody could just pick the studs. You could you can go off uh, any any cheat sheet you want for the first four rounds. That's fine. Yep. But now you locked yourself into somewhat of the structure of your team. If you didn't get starting pitching, now you're chasing. You didn't get speed, you're chasing. You didn't get power, you're chasing. You didn't get a middle infield. You don't have any outfielders. Like now that's where all the strategy comes in. The first four rounds, five rounds, or you know, four rounds is pretty easy. Yep. Uh, well, uh, you're, you're, you're right. I mean, it's, 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 it's pick whoever you want. Basically. I mean, you're talking about uh, a five to 10% drop off between certain players. It's not going to kill you because you can pick it up in the following round. But once you get past those four or five rounds, that's when you got to do your homework. That's when you really have to look at those names, right? Adam checking in. What's up? Adam says, let's go Phillies. Absolutely. 100% cannot wait for tomorrow and open a day. Uh, but from a fantasy perspective, he says Harper two home runs on open a day. Now, I've been all over, number one, for the Phillies to win the National League East, and number two, for Bryce Harper to win the MVP this year. Uh, you know, John, you remember before COVID struck, before we even knew, I was big on the Bryce Harper MVP year wagon, and COVID struck, it never happened. It's going to happen. Bryce Harper is going to be the MVP this year in Major League Baseball. I, I I fully believe that. This is going to be that year where he just excels like no other. He's ripping the cover off the ball. You can tell. I know he tweaked the back a little bit. People don't worry about the back. I'm really not. Still going to play 135, 140, 150 games. Now, let me ask you this, though, because this is an outfielder. This is a, a position of strength, obviously. Tons of outfield options. But when I look at this, I still think Bryce Harper's a top 15 pick overall. I, I, I really do. I think he he's right there. The, the numbers that he can put up in this very underrated Phillies lineup, I think people aren't talking enough about. And let me ask you this. Where did he go 
You said you had a couple drafts. Where was the consensus of where Bryce Harper went in the drafts you have already done? Did he go top 15 overall, second round maybe, or did, did he possibly go any later? Because now I'm curious. He went round two, pick eight, but it's a 12-teamer, okay. so that's 20th overall. I have him ranked 13th. Overall? Overall. Beautiful. And he went uh, 16th overall in my other draft. And and that's and, it, of, and I will that's say going. if if he fell two more spots to me, I had the third pick. So if he was there, I would have went with Bryce Harper over taking that pitcher. So see that that's a dilemma, right? That's the dilemma. Now he, he, here's let's get right into this because I I don't want to sit here and break down every position and get boring and stagnant. I you know we 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 picked each other's brains a little bit. You've had some drafts. You have a lot of good statistical data in front of you to combat some of the things I'm going to say. And before we get into the top fives, what I want to mention is because you make a really good point about Bryce Harper, and it makes me feel good because I always look to you. You're out. You're obviously the more knowledgeable guy when it comes to this. I'm a DFS guy. You are a, a traditional guy through and through to your research all year long. I, I had a scenario where, for me, I think the number one pitcher in Major League Baseball for fantasy purposes this year is Trevor Bauer. It's not Jacob DeGrom. It's Trevor, Trevor Bauer. I, I look at a guy who had a 1.73 ERA, 0.73 whip on a team that was terrible in Cincinnati and now he goes to a team in LA who is going to compete for another World Series I I, I just see Cy Young written all over him I really do I think he's going to be better than Cole I think I, I, I just I have that feeling that he's the guy now the reason why I bring that up is because I looked at this scenario where say you know how I like to get crazy and draft guys in the beginning right so I draft Trevor Bauer in the first round it, 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 overall, number one, number one overall. Cra look, look, here we are, crazy, right? I know you're already. Wait, where's Acuna? Where's Soto? Right? I get. Where's Trout? Where uh, to tease? Where are you at? Just let's hear me out for a second. So I'm looking at. I draft Bauer number one overall. You know, my hope is the drop off of talent from the pitching position after the top five or six is is a good slide compared to the offensive weapon weaponry that we see in this draft. So I'm thinking I could take Bauer overall as my top dog, and then I could swing back and possibly get Harper, okay, in that sec in a 10-man league, right, or a guy like Harper. I think it works out better because you tell me who's the pitcher I'm going to have to rely on, you know, at six or seven because you know they're all going to go. Right, so I'm curious to hear in your drafts what happened to you pitching wise, and what what was the pitching sequence? And if I did take look at one of your drafts and tell me if I took Bauer number one overall, would I be able to come back and get a guy like Harper at 19? <laughs> I don't even know where to begin with this. Okay, <laughs> I love I, it. I really don't. I love it. I I you know always got these things for you, man. Oh my goodness. <laughs> Um, so yes, you, or, um, actually, no, if you took him, he would have been gone in both leagues. So Harper would have been gone. Um, yeah. In my 12 team league, he went 20th. So he would have been there, but in a 12 team league, you might've had different drafting patterns because mm -hmm. there were, and this is Roto as this well. So there, there were only four pitchers taken in the top 20. 
Okay, but that's a but that's a roto league. So Correct. you're right. Regardless, so all right. So let me start at the very basics. Yeah, let's so go. As let's much as you here. believe in Trevor Bauer, I do not believe in Trevor Bauer. Uh, all right, give it to me. So I mean, you want to talk about elite pitchers? I do not have him as an elite pitcher. Last year, the stats he put up, which don't get me wrong, I mean he he had he had good numbers. All right, I mean he had elite numbers. Elite numbers, yeah. Against, right, John. He against, had elite numbers. Yes, against my Pittsburgh Pirates, <laughs> against the Cincinnati Reds, against the uh, uh, devastated Chicago Cubs team that's a shell of its former self, and against a Brewers team that did not progress as much as everyone expected after 2019. Okay. The, with COVID and pitching all in the NL Central, you had a ton of players that look at Kenta Maeda. He's another one. Look, this guy, this guy is not going to be where he's getting drafted. The, him and Trevor Bauer, to me, are two of the most overrated pitchers because of not just not only because of, but they saw great spikes or or declines gr- Im- improvements in their statistics in a shortened year against a poor division. So let me start there. So I don't even have him in my discussion for top three. Okay. Wow. Second thing, look, he had a great year in 2018, a two, two, one ERA with a one Oh nine whip. All right. Great year. Then he comes back to following year four, four, eight with a one, two, five. All right. So uh, average at best. Then he put up an abbreviated year, another great year. The year before is two two one ERA. It was four one nine with a one three WHIP. All right, so this guy has had a good year and a half. Outside of that, he's a three nine ERA with a one two six WHIP. That's that's what he is. He's thirty years old. I mean, if you're gonna peak, I mean, I don't know. He's getting a little late there to peak, and you know, I I'm just not convinced, especially number one overall, knowing that he's put together a year and a half of good stats. Ain't no way I'm touching Trevor Bauer, number one. So here's the logic, okay? And I I see what you're saying. I understand that. But he played on a terrible team in Cincinnati, okay? So, and this is where a lot of people want to say they, you know, whether we throw out 2020 or not, I'm taking it for Trevor Bauer because this guy had 100 strikeouts with a .79 whip. That is elite territory. Right, elite. over a full season. It was a third of a season. Eleven. It doesn't stars, matter. Not thirty-two. It, it, it doesn't matter. But Honestly. that's like. But that's having a player be elite in April and May in a regular year. That doesn't make him elite just because he had two good months. So twelve and eight, seventeen and nine, and twelve and six were a mirage. I'm I don't not, think so. You're talking about wins. Twelve and eight, seventeen I, and nine, twelve and six. I am not questioning that he will not win fifteen games. I think he wins 17 to 18 games. It's not out of the realm of possibilities. Because of the team. Only be absolutely oh one hundred. Well, that's that's where wins come. You know, what I mean, it's yeah. not just right. Um, you know, it, it that definitely is a huge part of it. So yeah, I agree with you there. Um, the wins may be there. I have them. I got them at fourteen wins. What uh, you know. Um, I'm just middle of the road from what I've seen over his career to the elite levels that he's pitched. And the last thing that I'm going to do is I'm not taking a chance in the first round, let alone first overall pick. I'm taking a sure thing because if he does revert back to one of his prior years that was not 20, uh, whatever, 18 or 2020, your, your season's over. Your season's over. 
I don't think so, man. I don't think so at all. Because listen, what what are, what are we talking about here? Yeah, look, like look at Jacob Degrom. Okay, and now w- w- with all due respect, except for ERA, they're basically middle of the road. Both of them, they both had the same strikeouts per win potential. They're both at five point eight eight. J- Jacob Degrom is not even won any more games than Trevor Power. So. Mm-hmm. So what I'm saying is I, I still look at because obviously I love Jacob DeGrom. Uh, obviously, I mean, his ERA speaks for itself, but I'm not winning because of ERA, I'm not winning fantasy baseball head to head because of ERA. OK, I'm not even looking at that. I'm looking at strikeouts. I'm looking at whip and I'm looking at wins that and I'm looking at play. Uh, I'm looking at team potential. That's what I'm looking at. So in my opinion, when you stack up Jacob DeGrom versus Trevor Bauer, I think they're kind of middle of the road in the sense of they all that he connects to each other's dots when it comes to the offense or the um the pitching categories. But then you just look at the X factor, which is the team. And I think the Dodgers are going to be better than the Mets. And I think that's a plus three to plus five win potential. And I think that's where Trevor Bauer goes over the top. Now, if we're not talking about Trevor Bauer or Jacob DeGrom, are you t- are you telling me that you would take Garrett Cole over yep. both of those guys? Are you saying that maybe you think he's the better option? DeGrom Cole to me are one, two. Those are those are the locks. Those are the only two that I am 100% comfortable with. Bieber would be one B or whatever. Call it. See, he, now, he's a step down. What and makes then, you more comfortable in Bieber than, than Bauer? Because I think Bieber doesn't even have the track record. He, do, he doesn't. And that's why he's below Cole and DeGrom. I just believe in Bieber a little bit more. Bieber is 25 years old versus 30 years old. This is a guy that's coming up, not kind of already leveling off. Now, you're absolutely right. See, one of the things you said, you look at whip, strikeouts, and wins. I look at whip, strikeouts, and for the most part, ERA. All right. Yes, there is no question that – that the Dodgers will put up more wins and that their starting pitchers will put up more wins. But you know what? I'll take the luck or the crappy luck. If my guy pitches lights out, look, for whatever reason, DeGrom didn't win games because they didn't hit for him, period. It was almost comical how every game he started, he had zero run support. True. I don't count. I, I count that as a fluke not something that's going to happen. So I believe that the Grom's win totals would have been up. Bieber, like same thing. 2020, he was stellar. 1.6 ERA with a 0.87 whip. You know what I mean? So the dude had 122 Ks in 77 innings. So the strikeout per inning is even higher. The, you know, the peripherals are the same. And, you know, even going back another year, it was a 3.28 ERA with a 106 whip. So now I have consecutive you know, that year and a half that, you know, I said about Bieber, there was a full year blip in the middle. This is a 25-year-old that has done this for a year and a half, and 2020 was even better than 2019. So I just believe in him a little bit more than Trevor Bauer. Well, I'm going to say one more thing, okay? Because, you know, you, you know how I am. I, I got to keep going. And and, and and I love it. It's funny. Al <laughs> Al, Al says, Tony doesn't agree with anything you're saying, John. LOL. Welcome back. Nice to see you, John. What's up, Al? 
What's up? <laughs> That's funny. Uh, where we'll get the Aaron Noll in the middle. Adam, what's up, buddy? How you doing? And we're gonna get the Rick's comment in a second about Harper could have an MVP statistical year, but on fourth place team, I think you're so wrong, Rick. So wrong in at many levels. Fourth place team, you're out of your mind. But anyway, John, you keep mentioning this thirty year old number for Trevor Bauer. Let me just let me just throw something at you. And I'm not going to tell you who this player is, okay? But from the, the time he turned 30 years old, 19 and 4, 18 and 9, 19 and 9, 19 and 9, 17 and 11, 16 and 6. That's age 30 to 36. Now, yeah. Max Scherzer. Max Scherzer. No. Oh, I thought for sure because Max Scherzer, I was not a believer in him either. He was a late bloomer. It's actually Greg Maddox. Okay. okay, which I obviously, listen, I am not saying mm-hmm. Trevor Bauer is Greg Maddox. Mm-hmm. I'm just saying that sometimes, okay, because remember, Maddox was on the Cubs uh, when he really started to hit it. Even though he was really good with the Cubs, he really became electric when he was with the Braves. Okay, so a better team who won all the pennants. So that's why I'm trying to make this comparison. And I, listen, I respect everything you're saying. I just think this is that year where 30 years old Trevor Bauer on a better team shows that he is the best player in fantasy this year when it comes to being a pitcher. Just just throwing that out there, man. Just throwing it out there, giving you a little comparison to well, why, here, you, why you I'm thinking go, what I'm thinking. You want to go there? Here, I'll, I'll go head to head, and we'll see at the end of the year. Yes. Uh, and I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to take my number one, okay? Or no, it's just which one finishes higher. And I'm not going to go the easy route with DeGrom or Cole or Bieber. I'm not taking my top three. Lucas Giolito will outperform Trevor Bauer. From the White Sox. You're going G-Man. Okay. Not because I think he's the best pitcher in the world, but. We'll see. Equal comparison. That's that's not a gimme. So I'm going to put, I will put Giolito head up on Bauer. So when bat, so I was going to throw this out there for everybody to know. So when Trevor Bauer this year. Okay, go seventeen and nine with with a two point one zero ERA and wins the Cy Young Award for the Dodgers. Are going to say, "Hey, John, where was G Man at?" Just saying, John. Now I'm just kidding, but we'll see what happens. So, look, I I will no Bauer is Bauer is going up there. I'm lower on him. Like industry experts basically have him a top five. All right, I'm just not him. sold on him. Love them this year. So let's let's get it. We're about forty two, but you want to say we want to go forty five. Uh, we didn't even get any football talk, but who cares? I saw I saw Aaron Nola question. Yes. So Adam wants to know where did Aaron Nola draft? So where did he get drafted at in your draft? So I know his ADP. I think he's been like drafted as like the seventh pitcher overall. I'm not sure where he went in your draft, John. But where did he go? Well, I got Nola at uh, ten on my. I have him at 10 on my draft board. Okay. That, I mean, he can move all the way up to a six. I mean, in reality, there, it's just, it's that next group that, look, if I miss out on the big guns, I'm fine with one of these, but I got to get one of these 10 pitchers and Nola rounds it out right after Trevor Bauer for me. Um, I actually drafted Nola as my second pitcher in the on the fourth pick of the third round. So that would have been 24th overall. I actually went Aaron Nola. So nice. it was earlier than I wanted, but 
it, you know, it was Giolito went Buell, Walker Bueller, Trevor Bauer, Max Scherzer, you Darvish, um, Bieber, DeGrom, Cole, they all went and, you know, sitting there, it's like, I got to get the guy while he's there. So I, I went Nola. I, you know, the biggest knock on Noel is his, is, is, you know, his statistics in September and October. Uh, but when you're looking at it from a fantasy perspective, you don't need him to pitch in October. You just need him to pitch in September. So if he gives you one out of those two months, he, he he's going to be a pretty good factor for you. And, uh, you know, and with the Phillies, depending on what I still think they're going to win the NL East. I know it's a little different than you, Rick, who thinks they're going to be fourth place, which I still don't understand that. We'll talk about that another time. But I think that they're going to have plenty of opportunities uh, to to get behind Noel because you talked about the Grom. You know, remember we went to a year with Aaron Noel where he was getting zero run support. Uh, you know, and right, remember that. So absolutely, I think that I think that changes a little bit this year because the Phillies lineup is is, is insanely better than it has been as long. I know there's a lot of question marks, but I think if they all come together at least seventy five to eighty percent, they're going to have a really good run scoring lineup, which will help Aaron Nola. Yeah, yeah. Nolo also he went twenty sixth overall in my uh, twelve. Okay, so, so top thirty, se- second pick of the third round. That's not uh, bad. I, that's a good spot. He was sandwiched between Giolito and Kershaw. Yeah, now there's that, a guy I don't trust is Kershaw. Well, that 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 was sandwich. Those sandwich picks were mine. I went Giolito, Kershaw. Did you? Have <laughs> yes. <laughs> I and, I want, and I wanted Nola, so I got Nola in one league. But I, I wanted, I wanted to pair him up with Giolito. Well, Giolito's got the Cy Young talk written all over him this year, uh, so you know we'll we'll see what happens with him in Chicago. But um, Al wants to know. He says we need we we need some type of wager on that, boys. Oh, uh, here's the thing, Al. This is what I will say. If if, if John's right, I'm gonna buy him a new clock. An actual real <laughs> clock in the background for Steelers. I, I, a real I, clock. I, 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 I'm going to have my wife make them one with her wood making business, and we're going to throw that up on the wall so we can actually see some hands on that thing in the background. Uh, but, John, let's get to our top fives here. And I, I think this is fun. We don't want to go through every position. This is just top five overall. Uh, you know, your top five when we talk about hitting and top five pitching, your top five pitchers who we, we pretty much alluded to most of them, but we'll go through them again because I want to get these down because, uh, you know, I want to get these posted. So we'll make an image up. And we'll get it online. Uh, we'll throw it out there. John's top five, Tony's top five, and then we'll be able to compare. Okay, so it, it, it'll be a good thing to look back on. So right off the cuff, and let let's go hitters first because we've already kind of touched on pitchers. We'll go back to pitchers, but you know, hitters first. I I, I think this could be a very interesting top five because number one, the young power potential of some of these kids in Major League Baseball right now is just phenomenal. Uh, They're going to be very, very exciting to watch. But there's one guy who I think could have his best fantasy year of all time, and that's Mike Trout. Uh, I don't know if you know this, but and I only know this because I was doing some research on it. Mike Trout has only hit the century mark when it comes to RBIs three times in his entire career. And this is a year where he has most likely the best lineup ever that he's ever played in. If Otani can continue to stay healthy, right, Rendon, you have guys like Dexter Fowler who are going to play a nice little part in there, Upton, as long as he can stay healthy, right? This is a tremendous lineup for the Angels. So 
I really like Mike Trout this year, but I'll tell you right now, my top five for me, okay, Juan Soto for me is number one. To me, he is the best player in baseball. I love Juan Soto. I, you know, the numbers that he puts up, are, 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 he does it all. And they're already talking about him stealing a, a more bases this year for Washington. So, for me, he's number one, followed by Ronald Acuna Jr. is my number two. Mike Trout, for me, is my number three, followed by Fernando Tatis Jr. And then rounding out my top five is Moogie Betts. So, John, what do you have for your top five? I think that's the consensus players so we have the same players oh nice um, slightly different order and I'll, I'll tell you i've i've been back and forth i had third overall pick in uh, my one draft and i was torn between trout and tatis so and you agree it, not to cut you all you agree on trout um not that he's get gonna, take he is Trout is not going to steal bases like he used to. He is not getting double-digit stolen bases. That is the only knock on him. Outside of that, he will have 40-plus home runs, 100 runs, 100 ribbies, and I expect him to hit around 300. Okay. So the only thing that's holding him back is he's no longer a 15-20 steal guy. Makes sense. So that's uh, that. That's right. But I was between Trout and uh, Tatis, and – Truthfully, statistics-wise, I have Tatis grading out as the number one player overall. Nice. Okay. I would not take him number one. I would take Acuna one, who is my number one. Tatis number two. I did. I took Trout over him because the shoulder injury scared me. Okay. I was drafting right after he had it. If there was no shoulder injury, Tatis would have been on my team at third overall. Um, but I'm going Acuna. Tatis, Betts, Trout, then Soto. I love it. And and, and really, the Trout and Soto, the only reason why those guys are four and five is because the stolen base potential isn't there. But you know know what's awesome about it is I have Soto number one, and you have him number five. We have the same players in our top five, but we completely flipped at the top spot. I love it. Look, I like Soto. It, It wouldn't shock me if he was number one overall. Um, he, uh, there's no question he could do it. Um, you know, but I, you know, a little bit to what Rick said, I mean, there are some guys that are really up in that talk that don't get the, I mean, I could see Trevor story. I could see Lindor wow. and I could see Jose Ramirez all being top five at the end of the year, especially no, Jose, Jose Ramirez. Jose Ramirez is a guy we all forget about. I know I do all the time. And I think it's just because he plays in Cleveland. But I mean, honestly, yeah. like, he does it all. Jose Ramirez does it all. And you're right. He could he could essentially be that top five. He really could. Now, Rick says Acuna, Tatis, Trout, Soto, Betts. Uh, so for the most part, we're you know we're all pretty much on a, a consensus on Acuna has to be in that top two spot. So uh, yeah, listen, you can't go wrong with any of those guys though. I'll tell you that. Yeah. You know. Now let me go to pitching. And you know, we already I, know this is right, a you already know who my number one is. Okay. <laughs> so, you know, right away, uh, you know, I think we're going to kind of be, I, I think my five is going to kind of surprise you a little bit, but Trevor Bauer, number one for me, who I, I, I still think is a Cy Young candidate this year and will have an electric year for the Dodgers followed up by J- Jacob, the at number two, uh, Garrett Cole is my number three. Bieber is my number four. And I'm following it up with Mr. Flaherty at number 
five. I think Flaherty is going to have a really good year for St. Louis. Uh, I like what he's done the last two years. I am taking what he did in an abbreviated season, looking at his stats overall. And I think just with that team out there with a different kind of lineup, I think that they're looking pretty good. And I think he's a wild card to be a top five pitcher. What do you think? Flaherty, it's possible. I actually have him just outside the top 10, but I can absolutely... I can absolutely see him performing there. If I miss out on the top 10, or especially when I'm looking at that uh, second pitcher, definitely coming into the consideration. You know, I would love to have a Flaherty, uh, Luis Castillo type um, as number two. So I'll just toss uh, Bauer out the window. Uh, (laughs) Your two, three, four is my one, two, three. So DeGrom, Cole Bieber, to me, that's pretty much no question. I already said the whole next group, I mean, you could shuffle guys left and right, and I see where I have them, you know, grading out. But, uh, you know, I I go back and forth on this. You ask me tomorrow, it could be different. Right now, I'm going, I'm going with Lucas Giolito at four, and I'm going with you, Darvish, at five. Oh, you're going you and on that on that playoff bound San Diego team. I like it. Yeah, the only thing is, I mean, his walks scare me. I mean, the, the same thing I said about Bauer it almost holds true for you, Darvish, and that's why I have them actually ranked eight and nine because it's like an enigma. Like they put up these great stellar Cy Young years, but then like all of a sudden there's a big blip in the screen for a year, and like you know if they got. Um, what it's a uh, Darvish would always have issues with walks, so it kind of scares me off from that number one guy. I don't want that inflated whip, um, but I mean, I can. I, they definitely have the talent to do it, and they can. Yeah, grading out on my thing, not like I said, they weren't in my top five. But the two old men, I'll tell you what, I don't think are getting enough credit. Who, who's the old men? Who, who, who were number one and number two overall picks? At pitcher over the past five years. It's all about Kershaw getting no love. And Scherzer. And Scherzer. Well, you know, here's here's the thing about Kershaw. He's just, his health is the scariest thing, right? He's he every year he has some kind of back designation, right? And, and it's scary. And Max Scherzer, I thought last year was going to be the year of his decline. I, I just don't think he can continue to pitch 200-plus innings year in and year out at that age and the pitch with that kind of throwing motion, that dominant of a speed, and not have a down year. And I, uh, it, it scares me. I don't want to be that guy to pick him when he has the down year. Now, uh, that's the only thing that scares you. I think that might be what's scaring everybody else. Oh, 100%. And, I mean, we could get – I mean, Kershaw, to me, look – I know, I know it seems like he's been pitching forever. I mean, the dude's 33. It's not like he's completely over the hill. Yes, he's had issues. He hasn't started 30 games, and I can't, you know, in five years. So I get that. But at the same time, I mean, 2018, one, and these are his worst years. 2018, 104 whip. 2019, 104 whip. 2020, 0.84. Like, you don't oh, really think about it, man. Right, and, and ERA. 2.7, 3.03, Like you look at this, even in his worst year, it was a 3.03 ERA with a one or 1.04 whip. That's his worst year. You know what I mean? So, uh, yeah, I, I, you just can't put, and you, you already mentioned the Dodgers, you know, and, and what that means for win total. I just think he's getting a little overlooked. Scherzer scares me a little bit more 
um, with, you know, he's had, like you said, he's had a little bit of the injury issues, um, you know, but once again, I mean, can he come back and, you know, he doesn't, he's a little older. He's now sitting at that 36. This is where, you know, you start to potentially break down where you might have to reinvent yourself. If the heater's not there, like it used to be, you lose a mile an hour, one or two miles an hour on your pitch. I'll tell you what, take that fastball from whatever it is at 95 and bring it down to 93 and see how you do out in major league baseball. It ain't going to be good. Yep. Not everybody. You know, and I don't. Do I don't know what Scherzer. I don't know what Scherzer's pitching now. I'm just saying it as a general statement. No, you're right. So, I mean, I definitely see more concern with Scherzer than with Kershaw. But at the same time, I mean, the dude is still striking. He still has a strikes out more than almost anybody in baseball. Regardless, he, he, you know, he, his K per nine is pretty sick. So, uh, yeah, yes, he's getting up there. This is one of the ones, you know, we said, do we keep or do we throw out 2020? 2020 was abysmal for him. A 370 RA with a 138 whip. That was abysmal. Strikeouts, they were still there. But, you know, with his injuries, now it's, okay, now he's hitting at 36. Was that truly a sign of a decline? Because in your 36 year, a little bit different than, you know, another pitcher that might be 33. No, you're right. Not every and when people lose lose velocity, not everybody can come back from that, right? We you watch guys that uh, listen. Greg Maddox, he's an aberration, uh, right? I mean, Verlander was the biggest one. Well, Verlander, but but remember he gained speed. (laughs) Hit no, but his career was just about done in uh, Detroit. You're right. That's when he had a terrible, terrible year. He, he didn't have his velocity. He went to Houston. He reinvented himself as a pitcher, similar to, I believe, Pedro did it. Yep. Where he, you know, some of them guys around that age 34, when you ain't beating these guys with the heater, you got to learn the art of pitching, you know? Yeah, man. And, it, and look, you can make a 93 mile an hour fastball look good if you're painting the corners on, on sliders and curveballs and off speed stuff. No, you're right. Yeah, I mean that that that's why I loved watching Greg Maddox and Pedro Martinez pitch. You know, talk about hitting the black. I mean, they they made that term hitting the black. That 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 inside cutting tailing fastball that they it was unhittable at times. And it was only Tom Glavin's another one. Tom Glavin was hitting like 88, but right? How about old man Jamie Moyer? For yep. the Phillies, right? I mean, yep. Think about it. It's just, it's crazy. Rick checking it with his top five. I like this because it's a, a, a very different. Uh, well, same names up. He has Castillo routed out yeah. the top five. Yep. I, yeah, I got yeah Castillo, Flaherty. Both of them are sitting right outside of my top ten. Uh, yes, absolutely can see a stellar year from either of them. <laughs> He always always had to uh, Adam Adam checking in talking about what we're talking about old pit. He talked about John Smoltz, another guy, man. Starter or closer. Wow. <laughs> How about when he went to the pen, man? He was electric. Yep. I mean, wow. I, you know, it, it is uh, the the art you you said art of pitching. And that's exactly how to explain it because if you are a baseball fan, that's why I kind of get mad with all these people that are trying to change the game. Let's hurry it up. Like, you know, we want more home runs. We want the ball juice. We want, man, you're taken away from the art of the game, man. Like, it, you know, the science between the hitter and the batter and the catcher, right? I, why do I, I can't stand it? We're doing that because I love to watch a good pitcher pitch. Yeah. 
Oh, absolutely. absolutely. There's nothing like it. There's nothing like it, man. I, yeah, we, we brought this up before, John, and I'm pretty sure you were a part of that episode. You know, if you could watch one pitcher pitch, whether, you know, he could be retired right now, he could he could be in heaven right now, or, you know, he could be active. I, I mentioned Johan Santana because, for me, when Johan Santana – was pitching for the Twins as Cy Young. And, you know, even though in his first couple of years to Mets when he signed that big money contract, I don't know if there was a, a, a pitcher in baseball that was pitching at a more dominant level than Johan Santana. And, you know, and, and again, not to mention, how about watching a guy like Cole Hamels when he, like, that year, that World Series run, I mean, oh my God, he was unstoppable. And you could watch it. Right, you could just watch him pitch an entire game and not be bored. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I mean, not not talking a starter. I mean, still the Mariano Rivera. Got to go with Mo. I mean, that was I. As much as there's ever been a lights out guy, and just watch him on the mound and just work it out there. I mean, him. If I got to go starter, I mean, truthfully, I I'm going Roger Clemens. Yeah. I love watching Clemens pitch. All right, say steroids, whatever. Look, get it. Uh, I don't even want to get into that right. discussion. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. But I enjoyed watching Roger Clemens pitch. I really did. The Rocket, man. Listen, uh, the way he, he changed speeds, uh, he was just so goddamn powerful. Uh, Adam checking in says Noah Ryan. I mean, yeah, another, right? Uh, almost, that was almost the only yep. other name that I was going to drop, but I didn't really watch him. Like, I didn't really watch him pitch, pitch full games, like, you know, with the way he was. But I see in highlights, yeah, you know, Nolan Ryan, I think, was uh, when we had our all-time fantasy draft, the four-sport draft. Yes. I believe Nolan Ryan was uh, was my second-round pick you know, for we gotta, baseball. We, we had to do one of them coming up. That was fun. Yeah. Uh, Rick says Pedro, which I completely yes. agree. Uh, Adam checking in says Brad Lidge is a closer and that 2008 year was a ridiculous. Cliff Lee is a starter, but how about this? Why? How are we leaving out Roy Halliday? Rest in peace. I mean, you talk about a guy on the mound that you could watch from inning to inning. The way he would just pick apart hitters. Roy Halliday was a mad scientist on him out. And this goes whether he was in Toronto or Philadelphia. It doesn't matter. He he was that damn good, man. He really was. I, I, you know, we could go back so many. I, I love when we start mentioning these names because some of these pitchers are just phenomenal. And and again. Right now, I'm not going to say that there's not that kind of dominance in the game. No disrespect to guys like Blake Snell, uh, who who has some really good stuff, and DeGrom, and you know Syndergaard before he got hurt a little bit, and Scherzer's been dominant. But the 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 art of the the pitching position has changed over the past few years. I mean, you look at it at the time probably between like maybe I don't know maybe eighty five to like the year two thousand. It was maybe even 2005, 2010 at the latest. But that that realm of pitching, that era of pitching, that that was that was some scientific theory right there, man. I would tell you that was some good stuff, 100. Yeah. Um, uh, Adam, before we go, Adam says Dennis Eckersley. There's another got to go with Eck, right? Got to go with Eck. Uh, you know, at, you, you knew when Eck came out, game was on the mind. And I'll tell you before we go, a a a, a secret sleeper for me pitcher that I used to like pitch back in the day was I, I honestly was Jack Morris 
Uh, I, I used to like well, Jack Mars. He didn't overpower anybody. He really didn't. But he just he just knew the strike zone, man. Um, David Wells. David, uh, yo, that's a great name. David, well, but Boomer, L- little pudgy Wells. Yes, Boomer. Um, uh, Rick says my father-in-law always said Koufax. Yep, Sandy Koufax. I mean, mm-hmm. I I've never watched Sandy Koufax, right? But uh, yeah, I mean, Sandy Koufax, one hundred percent. If you go back and, and watch old school baseball, I'm sure. I mean, uh, listen, I don't know if I'd rather watch a player hit three home runs or watch a pitcher pitch a perfect game. I'd probably want to watch a pitcher pitch a perfect game instead of watch three home runs, right? Uh, it's just me because I, I, I just think yeah. I would be in my element, man. I just I love every minute of it. I, I can't wait to find out what happens opening day. Yeah, Who's man. Be the star. Absolutely. Who's going to be Tuffy Rhodes this year? Who's going to be Tuffy Rhodes? Who's, who's Tuffy Rhodes? There's that name. And, and with that, again, everybody for tuning in, thank you so much. Uh, we went an hour and five minutes. Great to have John back talking some baseball. We had we had a little football on the table, but you know what? We just slide that the next week because guess what? We have plenty of time to talk football, right? Football is not changing. But tomorrow, as we record this episode, it is live, but it will be podcasts as always. Remember, it's episode Wednesday night. This is the episode that goes down where Tony Jigsaw Cotillo takes Trevor Bauer to be the top overall player and John Coker, PGH, Don 36, shakes his head and says, dude, what kind of crack are you smoking? So <laughs> we will see what happens in October, and we'll see if we're going to be buying a new Steelers clock for that wall behind John. But for any, anyhow, for everybody checking in, we appreciate it. Continue to support. Continue to love. Check that bobblehead contest. Get in that April 23rd. We got four, two of each that we're giving away. Check the five prize packs from Yingling. We'll be giving away them as well. Keep subscribing to the page. We got so much, 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 much. I can't say the word much even more. So much more in store for everybody. So like I say, as always, everybody stay safe and stay healthy. And we will catch you next week.